taxi is kind of an avenue to a great passion of mine in life, which is helping people. So I, I really enjoy meeting people and helping them solve their problems. And for me, I've used taxation as, as that avenue. As you know, everyone, the old saying goes, there's certainties in life or death and taxes. So for me, I've chosen the tax route as, as an avenue for me to pursue my passion and help people. Thank you all for joining us today in another episode of Moving to Expatland, the journey to Singapore. My name's John Makarian, and I'm the founder of the Expatland Global Network. Today's guest is Boon Tan from CST Accountants and Advisors in Singapore. Australian-born, with Singapore heritage, Boon provides specialist tax advice to CST's clients in relation to corporate tax and inbound outbound tax matters for individuals entering Singapore and founders of companies entering Singapore. Prior to commencing at CST Tax in 2012, Boone spent 12 years at various international accounting firms where he managed family groups dealing with Australian tax compliance for foreign subsidiaries. In 2016, Boone made the move overseas to head up to CST's Singapore office. His combined personal and professional background means he's ideally positioned to provide the specialist tax advice for both inbound and outbound tax matters in Singapore. It's my great pleasure to welcome Boon Tan to our show today. Hello, Boon. Thanks for having me, John. Good morning. How are you? Good, good. That's good. Well, you might start by telling us how you got into tax, Boone. I guess tax is kind of an avenue to a great passion of mine in life, which is helping people. So I, I really enjoy meeting people and helping them solve their problems. And for me, I've used taxation as, as that avenue. As you know, everyone, the old saying goes, there's certainties in life or death and taxes. So for me, I've yeah. chosen the tax route as, as an avenue for me to pursue <laughs> my passion and help people. That's better. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And uh, where did you first start with? In Sydney, as a graduate in the uh, in 2000, during the, the Olympic year in Sydney, I started at a small boutique firm in North Sydney, small three-partner firm. And that's where I kind of learned accounting skills and tax skills from an Australian perspective for individuals and companies. Yeah. And uh, did you think at that time you yourself would move to Singapore and be an expat? Absolutely no chance. Absolutely <laughs> no chance. My my dreams and aspirations were to, probably naively, that, you know, I'd found my perfect job at the age of 21. And, you know, I was only ever going to have one job. So thinking back at 21-year-old me sitting there on the 2nd of January, starting work in North Sydney to where I am today, talking to you from Singapore is... Chalk and cheese, man. Well, that's often the way, isn't it? But uh, it is. And tell us a bit about uh, life in in Singapore as an expat Australian. It's been a fabulous experience. We've been here now for coming into our sixth year. My son Jared was eight months when we moved up, and really for him, this is home. You know, he may have been born in in Sydney, yeah, but he certainly doesn't know much about Sydney other than the fact that. His grandparents and his aunties and uncles and cousins are all there. But for him, life is Singapore. And for 
for my wife, Christina, and I, Singapore has really been a great experience for us. First time for me living out of home. Yeah. So a different experience again. Yeah. <laughs> but certainly it's, it's been one that's been life-changing. Singapore is very easy city to for an expat to live in and, and really for expat experience 101. It's been very easy, very smooth. English, obviously, being a very one of the four main languages, so you know, communication is not an issue. But given, as you've alluded to in the intro, my heritage is from this part of the world, so I'm fortunate enough to be able to speak some of the local dialect enough to get around. So it's been a really great experience. Yeah. So I think um, it's an interesting point that you make, which is adjusting to uh, life in a, in a new place and. Having the, the heritage, as you say, but I guess you still have to make some adjustments when you arrive. So what would you say for someone who's moving to Singapore are the most challenging aspects of moving that you found? Yeah, look, I think you're absolutely right, John. I mean, given my cultural background, I did think the move was going to be a lot more easier, you know, and having visited the country and having relatives here you know, a number of years in the past before making the relocation, I was really quite surprised and taken aback as to, especially from a, as you said, the cultural perspective and a work perspective, the differences between here and in Australia. Yeah. And it's simple things like, you know, the Asian culture of deference to someone important senior above you. You know, I, I don't do anything until you tell me to. And it took a while for me to understand that, okay, that's just the culture, mm. right? It's mm -hmm. actually a sign of respect more than anything else. It's not a sign mm. of a lack of enthusiasm, a lack of drive of the individual. It's certainly a respectful approach. And it's something you see not, you know, all over the culture and society. You go to train stations, you know, jump on MRT, public transport, and you see that kind of deference to the customer is the person I'm serving. So, you know, listening, taking on board what they want to try and to serve their needs. It, it does take some time, but once you get, once you get used to it, you realize that, you know, it does make things easier. No, well, that's good. But I imagine then again, you know, you've got to be able to probably understand that they, may not raise issues with you that you might have raised with you in, in other work environments where you've come from. So how do you sometimes pull out the fact that they may not actually think what you're doing is the right way as a leader then? Sure, that's a very good point. And I guess it's understanding a bit of the nuances in the culture as well. This is a society that is very much, I guess, rules-based, okay? Yeah. So, for example, doing a set of financial statements in Singapore, uh, to use accounting analogy for a moment, they are reportable. You know, they are, they do need to be in the format of, of the financial standards. And sometimes, you know, issues arise where a client may not want something disclosed or something disclosed differently. It is a challenge, but it's a bit of explanation and providing some commercial insight as well as to why, okay, Whilst the standards are saying we need to do A, B, and C, you know, from a client perspective, and if you think about the risk and the commercial element of it, you know, we should actually do X, Y, and Z. And if you really step back and think about it and stop for a minute, you'll see that X, Y, and Z is actually not totally unrelated or drastically different to what the standards are looking for. It's just a different approach to presenting the information. 
Yeah, so maybe give uh, give some thought to how you might adapt what's used in your home country to what Singaporean accounting or business standards might be. So if you're a business person looking to set up uh, in Singapore and move yourself, your family, and maybe some staff to Singapore, how does the business environment compare to what you were used to in Australia in terms of setting up business and, and doing business? Setting up and starting up business here in Singapore is actually quite easier compared to back in Australia. Oh, cool. And I've actually, you know, mm-hmm. having helped a number of companies set up in Singapore, it, it's actually quite refreshing to hear the feedback that the community here, especially in the expat community, as you know, a lot of the expats here are small business owners themselves. Mm. And, and they are actually very supportive, especially of Australian, for example, coming up. I'm on a WhatsApp group with about 150 locals who are small business owners in the SME industry. And you will regularly see posts saying, hey, guys, you know, I've just arrived. I'm living in this area. would love to catch up for a drink. And by the way, looking for some uh, legal advice who anyone you recommend. And, you know, without hesitation, you'll get a dozen different responses saying, hey, go use this person. I've used this person really, you know, often and they're really good and they'll be able to help you. Mm-hmm. So it's a very supportive mm-hmm. culture here. Okay. Well, that's that's good to hear. And I guess uh, in terms of the tax system now, maybe you could talk about complexity of getting it right in terms of tax and dealing with some tax challenges, foreign jurisdiction and then the local jurisdiction. Maybe touch on that for us. Yeah, sure. So the, the Singapore system is quite different or unique in the sense that it's a territorial tax system. And what that means is that the Singapore tax authorities will only tax income which is sourced in Singapore. Foreign income is therefore generally not taxed. So if you're an individual and an expat individual and you know, you're coming to work for a big MNC, and you've still got your assets in your home jurisdiction, you can continue to earn income on that asset and you won't be liable to tax in Singapore because it's not sourced in Singapore, it's foreign income. I get it. So Boone mentioned MNC, multinational corporation, just for those who slipped into the jargon there, which accountants tend to do now and again, right, Boone? Absolutely. Bad habits die hard. If I sell a house in my home country or some shares, are you saying that probably as an individual not taxable in Singapore? Correct. Yes, it won't be taxable right. in Singapore. Okay. Uh, the other point to note as well is domestically in Singapore, there is no capital gains tax regime. Okay. You can set up a share portfolio, for example, yeah, d- locally with, with a private bank. A lot of expats will have or a financial planner locally and set up a share portfolio. And any disposals of those shares, which would be capital gains, are not taxable. Wow. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So uh, let's just touch on a little bit about how people often say, I set up a company in Singapore. But does it mean if anyone sets up a company in Singapore, they will just pay tax on the income that company generates? Or what does a company got to do or not do to pay Singapore tax? Yeah. So Singapore tax for a company is based on residency. Only resident companies in Singapore pay tax on their income sourced, not only domestically, but internationally. And I think that's an important point, John, just to point out that whilst an individual is not taxed on their foreign income, companies can be taxed on foreign income. 
if a company generates income from sales overseas uh, and remits it back to Singapore, that will still be taxable. But another big issue is also uh, the issue of tax residency for a company. And under the Singapore system, the issue is control and management. So Singapore has a, a very... Okay, what does that mean? Way. Yeah, so control and management from a Singapore perspective is specifically where the board of directors have their meetings. Mm-hmm. And what the Singapore tax system wants to see is that the board meetings are held physically, preferably, or the majority of board directors on the board are in physically in Singapore having the meeting. Interesting. So, I mean, we have Zoom these days and, you know, we're talking on a, a conference now. So if I set up a Singapore company and the director's in, you know, Norway or Netherlands in London or, or the US, how do we have these physical meetings now in, during COVID times and stuff? Well, there are obviously some concessions regarding the situation we're going through now, but irregardless of that, there is still a need for a Singapore company to have some level of substance, economic substance here. Right. So it means that there needs to be a presence, be it a small company with people that are running, you know, it could be a sales team, could be a senior member of sales, but that ideally would then mean that that individual member is also a member on the board for the Singapore company specifically. Because what we're trying to show, or the key point to show the tax authorities to get a certificate of residency, and, and that is an important point I'll come back to in a minute, is that the company is being run and operated at a board strategic level in Singapore and not outside of Singapore. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we want a certificate of residency or why that is important is that Singapore's got a very large network of double tax agreement. And that's very important or very favorable for Singapore companies who do a lot of international work. And it means that if we're able to get the Singapore tax authorities to issue a certificate of residency for the Singapore company, mm-hmm. where we, we get some comfort in being able to apply the double tax treaty, which often means that sales made by the company in a foreign jurisdiction are only taxable in Singapore rather than that foreign jurisdiction. So this certificate is quite valuable then? It is extremely valuable because often when clients try to apply concessions under the double tax agreement, the the local authority will ask for proof that the company is a resident of Singapore before they will grant that concessional rate of tax. And so that is, you know, very interesting for an entrepreneur or business person trying to set up in Singapore. Now, if we look at some of the other incentives for a company moving to Singapore, do you have any advice or guidance to share there for people moving? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first one that I've I've alluded to is obviously the double tax agreement network that Singapore does has have a very large number of agreements in place with a lot of different jurisdictions around the world, which a lot of other countries don't have. So that certainly is advantageous for Singapore in terms of setting up a global footprint for a business, being able to know that you've got that. Singapore is also a very strong intellectual property hub. So there are a lot of companies, global companies, who set up entities in Singapore to hold intellectual property. And the reason being that from a legislative perspective, the legislation in Singapore 
is designed in a way to provide security and certainty for holders of IP in Singapore. That yeah. makes it a very popular jurisdiction. And Singapore being, you know, an island nature, an island nation is obviously keen on developing its economic base. So there are government agencies like the Economic Development Board of Singapore, Enterprise Singapore, which all, you know, which are there statutory bodies which are there to help and encourage inbound investment into the country. And that means that there are certain sectors within the industry, finance, fintech, you know, Web3 being a number of industries which are currently the focus of these statutory bodies where these members of EDB and Enterprise Singapore are out there in the international market saying, hey, Singapore would love to have you set up your global headquarters here and provide some incentive, be it tax, be it support for hiring of foreign manpower, things like that. So if you're thinking of a, of a place to set up globally, um, there are a lot of commercial and economic reasons to really have a serious think about Singapore. And does CST accountants and advisors help people with some of these government entry programs? Absolutely, yeah. So over the years, we've developed a, a relationship with key individuals in certain departments in both Enterprise Singapore and the Economic Development Board. So we are able to you know, make approaches to those contacts on behalf of our clients to see what support and assistance the government bodies are able to provide our clients as they come into to set up in Singapore. And in terms of the expat land team that you have, the e-team in Singapore, yeah. tell us how did you get attracted to that concept? Well, I guess, John, going back to the introduction where my real passion in life is helping people, the e-team was very attractive in terms of the concept because it meant that outside of my area of expertise being tax and accounting, I was able to help my clients further. So going through the journey and experience myself of arriving in Singapore, I knew that it wasn't easy. And as I mentioned, I already thought I had a cultural affinity and background to this part of the world already, and I still found it difficult. So if someone who doesn't have that background that I have can only imagine how difficult it would be. So obviously being able to then help my clients and friends alike through the e-team by introducing a real estate agent to help them find a place to live and being able to, and having that personal relationship with the real estate agent to be able to give them a briefing before the first meeting with the client. And so could you give us an example of how you might help someone who reaches out to Charlie on relocation or you on tax, how that might actually work in practice? Yes. So... First things first is always a, a initial meeting. Part of the journey is always to have a first up meeting to understand the, the client needs, to understand the client's objectives. Mm -hmm. So it could be a business owner, I think of a client example where they reached out and said, look, we're looking to set up a subsidiary in Singapore and, and we also want to send someone up, you know, send a senior employee up. So, okay, let's have a chat. Let's find out you know, understand what are you trying to achieve with this Singapore company? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we're looking to expand further into Asia. So Singapore is a great hub to place our, our sales director. So it was a sales director being relocated up from Melbourne. Mm -hmm. Okay, understanding, okay, well, therefore, you you know, you're going to have an employee who's going to be traveling a lot. We need an employment pass. So this, 
you know, introductions to Benjamin at Echelon. So this employee is going to move. So obviously we need to get a remove list. So introduction to Charlie, who can then coordinate the relocation and the move from the, in this case, it was Melbourne up to Singapore. And then getting the introduction to the employee themselves personally. And again, having another call, you know, yes, I'm the director. My husband and my two kids are coming up. The children are this age. Okay, so they need schooling. What, what kind of schooling are you thinking about? What introductions can we make to help you get into school, get the kids into school? Introduction to the real estate agent. By the way, my daughter is, is going through her braces. Uh, do you know anyone that might be able to take that on? Oh, absolutely. You know, so we've got Sean and the expat dental team. That's a good example. Yeah. People often don't tend to think about the expat dentist, but you have access to one of those on your team. Absolutely. Absolutely. And obviously, you know, when business opportunities come up, you can't suddenly go, well, we'll wait the eight or nine months to get your braces done before we move. It doesn't really work that way. So having, being able to then go, listen, seamless transition, let's get your dentist in Melbourne to talk to, uh, to Sean and the expat dental team just to give them the briefing of where things are at so that your daughter can continue with that process of getting her braces done. And do you guys have catch up regularly or do you have meetings? How does your e-team function? Yeah, so, so meetings are absolutely important. One of the key elements of our e-team is the relationships between each of the teams. So we have meetings every six weeks where everyone, be it Zoom at the moment, but preferably, you know, in the past, we would all get together around the table, get some coffee and just really talk about what market issues they're seeing. Mm-hmm. Different people will see, have a different entry point into expat life coming in and out and then what opportunities are available. And, and really often, you know, when people meet each other in person and talk, actually the client I spoke to yesterday or the prospect I spoke to yesterday actually needs your services. I'll make sure I'll link you up. Sometimes it's a good you know, jogger of those kinds of relationships and interactions as well when we meet together. Cool. Now, I, away from work, I hear you're a bit of a foodie. Maybe you can uh, share some of the great food insights of Singapore. And Yeah, well, Singapore, Singapore is a great food hub. And really, the good thing about Singapore is that you can really find fantastic food at any budget you, you want. Yeah. So if you want your high end, you can go up to your... You can go to a three-hat restaurant in the Michelin book and pay 500 bucks for a meal in a wine degustation pairing. Yeah. Or you could just walk down the road to your local hawker center and get some local cuisine at $2 a pop. And I guess the shopping culture is brilliant as well, so maybe tell people a bit about that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of high-end boutiques and global brands are available here in Singapore. You know, there are... Orchard Road is effectively shopping centers side by side for six or seven blocks. The you know High Street in New York or down at Oxford Street in, in London, you know that kind of shopping district. So, but again, if you're looking for local trinkets and things like that, just go down to your local markets, and again, you can pick that up. Singapore is great like that. You can really live the way you want to live. Wow, that's really great. Yeah, you do have a choice of what you want, be it food, be it living, be it buying product. It's great in that sense. And uh, do you see yourself there for a while longer yet? You've said six years. How are you feeling about uh, 
life in expat land? Because I know a lot of people come sometimes for two years and end up staying for 10. How do you think that applies? I mean, for me and my family, I think it's, we, we came with no set target to leave. It was more about how we're going to find life. You know, it, it was a new experience, new, new journey for us that we'd never been on before. Yeah. And I have to say, been incredibly rewarding for me, for my career, mm. for me as a individual and for my mm. family as well. So mm. if you ask me that question today, the answer is we haven't even thought about when we're going to leave. You know, we're having too much fun to leave. Well, that's probably a great point to end. And thank you, Boone. I think you've shown listeners a really welcoming picture of, of Singapore and given a lot of helpful hints and tips today. So it's really great to have had you aboard. So thank you. Thank you again. Thanks for having me, John. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moving to Expat Land, the journey to Singapore. To find out more about how the Expat Land Global Network can help you, please visit expatland.com. Enjoy the journey.